So was anybody here last week? Anybody here last week? Good service last week, huh? Song, stuff, yeah. It was a moment. It was a moment for us. Um, because A, we've just been gone for so long, we're getting back in the rhythm and getting back in the stride of worshiping. But we also felt like there was something that happened that day. And we're just gonna use that term breakthrough, right? I don't know if you've heard that in some of the songs that we have sung so far today. But this concept of breakthrough, and last week was a breakthrough moment in worship, a breakthrough moment in preaching, I believe, a breakthrough moment when the congregation and, and the participants, when everyone was there and the Holy Spirit was just, just laying waste to our hearts last week. It was powerful. And you ever have those in life? You ever have those breakthrough moments? Um, I had a friend who went to um, the Musicians Institute in um, Hollywood and he was there and he had been there for like eight months and I was like, hey, do you like this place? Are you having fun? And he's all, no, I hate it. All I'm doing is playing scales all the time. He's like, I'm just playing scales on my bass, scales on my bass. That's all I'm playing. And he said, I'm not getting any better. It's just, it seems horrible. I'm like, oh, why are you paying for it? He's like, well, I don't know. And he called me up three weeks later and he said, you know what, I had a breakthrough. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean you had a breakthrough? And he said, listen, he puts the phone down and he starts playing. And this guy, I've never heard anything like it coming from a bass guitar. I was like, what happened? He's like, I don't know, I had a breakthrough. Like all of a sudden everything aggregated to the point, he didn't say aggregated, he would never say that word, I said that word. He said, but, but, uh, but there was an accretion of, of growth. He didn't use the word accretion either because he wouldn't have used that word. Um, he said, I, it all kicked in. And for some reason, I was able to get to the next level. For some reason, I was able to step in. I had a breakthrough and I moved on to something else. And I don't want to go back to the way it was before. Right? Last week for us was a breakthrough moment in worship. And I don't know how you have those moments in your life whether it's playing an instrument or whether it's with your finances, whether it's with your studying, whether it's with your weight, right? You've figured out the formula to keep you where you wanna be, whether or not it's a relationship where you have a breakthrough and you, you know each other and understand each other in a way that you haven't necessarily understood before. But our lives are often lived in pursuit of breakthroughs and our spiritual lives have that same sort of understanding. Although I don't know that we expect it very often. I don't know that we, we hope for it, but I don't know that we expect it very often. And so I thought we'd talk about breakthrough today because we're in this campus, it's called a campus day, which normally when all our campuses are meeting, it means that they'll have a, a special speaker at their campus and they can talk about whatever they want before we jump into the next series. Like we said, the reason why the series starts tomorrow is that our study guide will be available today to download. So you can begin to study tomorrow morning through the whole thing. So that's why we say it starts tomorrow and we're studying the Sabbath and, and rediscovering what that really means biblically. But... Today, we're gonna to talk about breakthrough, and we're gonna talk about one story in scripture that exposes what a breakthrough really means and why we can have breakthroughs in our spiritual lives as a congregation, as a people of God. And so when I start this story, you're gonna know it pretty quickly, but maybe we'll take a look at it in a different way than we have before. So read with me from the book of John. We'll start in chapter five. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to open them. We'll have it right here on the screen. But it begins like this, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Not 100% sure which one of the holy days it was, but he's back in Jerusalem. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered 
porches or colonnades, they sometimes call it, depending on which translation you look. Now, if you've been to this place, um, they're pretty sure they know where it is because it is right there on the Via Della Rosa or the Way of Tears. And you step into this church that they've built over it and then you can go down and you can see where it is and you can see those colonnades. Now, again, you know this story, I'm sure. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Did you guys just notice something? Let's go back to the slide before this. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Have you noticed it yet? We're jumping from, chapter, from verse 3 to verse 5. There's no verse 4. We'll get back to that later. We'll get back to that later. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, I want you to know that this is where breakthrough begins, where people are. I think one of the reasons why last week we had this moment in worship, we had the, a breakthrough in the way that we look at God and the way that we express who God is together in the movement of the Holy Spirit. I believe it's because we were taking time to think about where we really were and where we wanted God to take us. And Jesus recognized where this man is. He recognizes exactly what's going on in this man's life, how long he had been sitting there. And of course, the man knew it too. We take a look honestly at where we are and where we are going. Now I'm going to ask a question before we keep going on in this story. And the question is this, where do you go for change in your life? Where is it in your life that you go to really experience change? Is it the gym? It's kind of a perfect example, right? We go there for change. I don't know anyone who goes to the gym to stay the same. And in fact, that's why they put mirrors in the gym, so that you can check your gains, right? And there's some people who go there just to check their gains. I'm not even sure they work out, right? Some of us don't really have any gains, so we don't look in the mirrors nearly as often. Is it always disconcerting when someone's, you know, whipping out their phone, they've just worked out and they whip out their phone and they're like, like, who are you showing? Is there a public who wants to know what's going on with your arm today? Right? Nobody wants to stay the same when they go to the gym. We stay away from the gym to stay the same. Right? And, and you know, there's, there's people who go into the gym who, who work hard and they see transformation. Sometimes there's people who go to the gym who don't really work that hard because they're not necessarily there for change. But how often do you come to church ready for change? I mean, do you come each week, every week, seeking transformation or breakthrough? Or do you come just to check it off a list? Because the intent of why you come to church makes a big difference about what you're going to receive from church and what God is going to be able to pour into you at church. Because of the way that you have decided you are preparing yourself and getting ready to move into this space. 
Church is that place where you can come, open up your heart, open up your value system, open up your understanding and the words that are spoken into you and the, and the music that flows over you that you participate with. It's one of those moments where change can happen, but you have to be prepared for change. You have to be practicing that change so you can experience and know when that change is happening. You see, the problem is with transformation, with breakthrough, what we really want a lot of the time is we want our situation to change, but we don't want to change. We want the things in our life that are going poorly to start going well, but we don't want to be changed. We are ready for God to change our circumstances, but we are rarely ready for God to change us. We are rarely ready for God to find us where we are, broken and bruised, and change us. We want him to change the things around us, change the things that are breaking us and bruising us, but not change us, not change us from the inside out. We don't look for that DNA change that changes the way we view the world, that gives us these breakthroughs that we're talking about. We want God to change everything else but not us because we're okay. So Jesus asked the question to this man, do you want to get well? And this seems like a stupid question. Who wouldn't want to get well? But every day we do things that go against our spiritual well-being, that go against our physical well-being, that go against our social and even financial well-being. When all the information is out there to move us towards better and longer and more powerful explanations or expressions of who God is in our lives. The question is this, do you want to get well? And that's a simple question. Or maybe we ask it this way, do you want a breakthrough in your life? If so, what are you going to do to prepare for one? Or are you too tired of trying? Because that's true sometimes too. And I get it. I'm too tired of doing those scales on the base. It's just exhausting and it doesn't seem to do anything. Sometimes our spiritual lives feel like a slog through wet cement. We don't see progress or we're not even sure what progress looks like. Some of us even get involved in the spiritual disciplines thinking, if I get involved in the spiritual disciplines, if I pray, if I fast, if I meditate, if I study, if I do service, those things are the things that are going to give me a spiritual breakthrough. Remember, the spiritual disciplines are a house in which a healthy spirituality can live, but they are not a substitute for a healthy spirituality, a healthy relationship with God, the way that God moves in your life. Because breakthroughs don't come from the work you do. Breakthroughs come from a God who is willing to bring you along on his journey. I mean, do you think that God can't change you? Seriously, do you think that God can't change you? Because that's how we live our lives too often. We assume that God's not going to do a good work within us, even though he promises it in scripture. We assume that God's promises are not new every single day because we've been leaning on them and hoping for them every single day. We assume God is still not working in this world. Or even if we don't assume it, that's how we live our lives. Or we, again, just want God to change the circumstances, but not us. And sometimes God is in the business of changing us, not the circumstances in which we leave. Do you remember the book of Philippians? Do you remember Paul? 
Paul said, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Why? Because it doesn't matter what happens to me because the circumstances are not what I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about is what God is doing in my life, what God is doing in my heart, what God is making me resilient to get through, what God is making me see, how far in the future God is making me see the journey that God has me on. It's not about this prison cell that I sit in. It's about where God ultimately wants to take me. And I don't know, your life may feel like a prison cell sometimes in the relationships that we're in, sometimes in the jobs that we're in, sometimes in the way that we've, you know, grown up in church not expecting very much. It's time to shed all that. Your life is not about your circumstances. You're a person of faith. Your life is about where God is taking you. And if you're not prepared for God to take you anywhere, well, then just keep coming to church and ticking it off the box. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But that's never going to get you where God wants you to go. I mean, come on. Is he powerful enough to move mountains, but not powerful enough to break your heart? So you can see what he's doing every single day in your life, every hour, every minute, every moment that he's trying to mold you and shape you into the person that he wants you to be. Not just so you can succeed in life, so that he might be more well known in the world. Not just so that you can fix what's broken in you, but sometimes the brokenness is the most important thing that God has for you. Because somebody needs to see your brokenness in that particular way so they can see his goodness. You know what? Jesus didn't ask the man if he could walk. He asked him if he wanted to get well. Because the truth is sometimes your breaking point is actually your breakthrough point. Sitting by the pool at the sheep's gate, unable to get into the water. But Jesus asks, do you want to change? Not do you want it to change. Jesus didn't ask if he wanted to feel better. (laughs) How often do you come to church to feel better? Right? And we love churches that don't challenge us. Because there's there's churches that are full of people who don't get challenged every single week. But they walk out of church going, good sermon, pastor. And they're not going to think about it again because it's not going to harass their heart because there was no Holy Spirit in that word because there was no pushing on your heart. You were comfortable and maybe you felt better, but that's not what Jesus asked. We can come to church to feel better and never get well. I'm going to say that again so you can hear it. We can come to church to feel better, but never get well. But this man couldn't hear what Jesus was really asking, right? John 5, 7. I can't, sir. And so now he's going to explain to Jesus his situation. For I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now we need to explain why verse 4 isn't in Scripture. Verse 4 is not in Scripture because it shows up in later manuscripts, the explanation of what was going on at the Pool of Bethesda, right? The idea was this, that at some point the angel would come down and trouble the waters. That's a very, like, 19th century kind of situation, trouble the waters. Bubbles would come up, the first person in the pool, first person gets the reward, right? And so people would sit at the pool waiting for the waters to be troubled. And then they would get in as quickly as they could. Now, 
Most scholars don't believe that was in the earliest manuscripts, so they leave it out. But this is what the reference is to. But a couple things that are funny here. First of all, and I wonder if you've ever experienced this. This man felt a need to explain to Jesus what was really going on and why what Jesus was asking him wouldn't work. Right? He says, hey, listen, I can't. Do you want to get well? That's what, the, well, that's what Jesus asked. And the guy goes, I, I can't get well because I don't have the support system. I don't have the structure around me. All the circumstances are against me, so I can't actually get well because I don't have all the things that those other people have. That's why they succeed. That's why they're healthy. That's why they're spiritual. I don't have those things in my life. And because I don't have those things in my life, I can't get into the water. I can't get well. The truth is the pool had become a safe place for this man. Right? He was surrounded by broken people, and that's comfortable. He was surrounded by people who were not looking for transformation unless they got it right first. They didn't expect to get well. This man didn't expect to get well. In fact, he pushes back on Jesus. We can become so comfortable knowing we will never really get in the water, knowing that we will never really change, that church becomes a, an exercise in disappointment and frustration week after week, year after year, because you don't see anything change in your life. It's because you're not answering the right questions. Do you want to get well? This man explains to Jesus why it won't. This is why I love working with young people, just for the record. Because youth don't know they can't change. You get a little older, you go, oh, people don't change, right? It's such a jaded comment. It's so ugly. Young people don't know that. You tell a young person, you tell a ninth grader, hey, let's do this. They're like, I'm in. That's great. That sounds amazing. It takes us till about 23 to we're just horrible people expecting no change from the world. All right, so if you're turning 23 this year, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's over. You see, this man was waiting for the angel to come down so he could be the first in the water. Because the first one would win. And that's how religion works. Right? You know that phrase, last one in is a rotten egg? Where did that phrase come from? Because first of all, who has rotten eggs just hanging around? Right? Second of all, that's a horrible statement. But that's how we live our lives. And too often in church, that's how we live our lives as well. First one in gets changed. This is how religion works, but this is not how grace works. Because grace heals the last as well as the first. Grace does not respect position. Grace does not respect power, nor finances, nor degrees, nor disabilities, nor, nor, nor participation. Grace reaches the last and the first. Grace reaches you. You know what I wish in this story? I wish Jesus would have kicked this guy into the water. I'm not going to lie. I wish Jesus would have been like, oh, yeah? Huh. Just pushed him in the water. No troubling of the water. Just pushing this man into the water. That would have been such a great story. 
Because the guy would have been like, I can't. Jesus is like, I can, boom. I feel like we would have gotten a different understanding of Jesus after that. If nothing else, Jesus would look at his disciples and go, you see that? That was pretty good, right? Now, Jesus didn't do that because Jesus knew that this man needed a breakthrough and he didn't need a breakthrough that he pushed him into. He needed a breakthrough that the man decided on. He needed a breakthrough that the man made a choice for. He needed a breakthrough that the man was ready to receive. Remember the first time you got pushed in the water? I was swimming from a really young age. Like there's pictures of my three-year-old sister holding me at nine months in the water with my diaper. I don't know where my parents were. That seems like a recipe for disaster. But I got to teach people to swim for a lot of years as I was a lifeguard. And I got to tell you, that first time somebody gets in the water, a little kid, three or four years old, and they stand at the edge and their, their, their leg starts shaking. They are so afraid to get in the water. And you're like, come on, man. You're literally like two inches away. You're like, you can do it. And the kid's like, I can't do it. And there were parents there. There was always parents. There's always some dad who was like, just push him in, man. <laughs> Shut up, dad. I mean, in Jesus, you can't. Kid's not going to swim without fear if you kick him into the water. But if he makes a choice, he'll have a breakthrough. So I saw so many kids, that leg shaking, just, oh, is the worst thing. And you're like, come on, man, you can do it. And they would just shake and shake. And I'm like, all you got to do, all you got to do is lean over. I'm going to catch you. All you got to do, you're going to be fine. This leg's shaking. And you see a kid finally steal, you know, steal his nerves and get ready. And sometimes just close his eyes and with a huge, huge leap of faith would fall like this far. And you catch him and bring him down into the water. See, what Jesus does here, he doesn't kick him in the water. What Jesus says is, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. He doesn't reach down. He doesn't lift him up. He says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Your choice. By the way, the man couldn't get in the water. Why could he stand up? What changed? No, it's the presence of Jesus. The choice was this man's breakthrough moment. And it's weird that he didn't say, I can't, because he had just said, I can't. But Jesus has a way of cutting through the circumstances, not hearing this previous conversation. What Jesus could have said, Jesus certainly could have said, oh man, I get it. I know it's really difficult. There's a lot of people, they're closer to the water than you. Sometimes you're not paying attention and the water is troubled and you don't get in in time. Or man, it's a shame you don't have some friends here that could help you. You know, Jesus didn't even recognize the circumstances. The reason being is that Jesus is bigger than the circumstances. Jesus is bigger than the facts of which you live your life. And so he looks at the man and he says, get up, take up your mat and walk. The choice was the man's breakthrough moments, but so many of us miss it. I wonder why. Why do we miss God's command? I'll tell you why, because we've been begging for so long that we've gotten used to our own voice and our own failure. And even though what the man said about no one being at the pool for him was true and facts. Sometimes 
faith needs to override the facts of your life. Why are we begging for the facts to change when by faith we have already been given everything? Man, I've heard it so many times growing up in the Seventh-day Adventist church. If we just pray hard enough for the latter day reign, then the end of time will come and God will be here. We're living in the end days. And I've seen people prostrate on the ground begging for God to show them his presence. God did that. He did it on the cross. We don't need to beg for God's presence. He's standing right in front of us. And he's saying to us, do you want to get well? Sometimes our faith needs to overcome the facts of our lives. Because we are not people who are asked to simply understand where we are. As Pastor Mike said, we're to run the earth, but we are to look into the heavens. You see, it's by faith, not by fact, that we accept what Jesus has already done for us. By faith, not by fact. Why are you looking for signs that it might be there? You know what we do? It's like we're looking for a spare key, but we're not even trying to see if the door is open. Have you ever done that? You ever walked around like, I don't have a key. You're calling people, I don't have a key. My wife will say, did you check the door? No. Is it open? I don't know. All you got to do right now is open that door. Make that decision. Take up your mat and walk. Do you want to get well? Because then it says this, instantly the man was healed. It wasn't until the man started to get up until he was healed. He didn't sit there and wait and go, I wonder if these work. He got up because he made the choice. It was a miracle. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. I'm not even going to read that second phrase yet. Because we always want to get to the butt too quickly. This is a miracle. It's to be celebrated. But there is always a wait. Because when God begins to work, people don't want to recognize it. People don't want to see it. Listen, if no one in your life is pushing back on your spiritual life, nothing's happening in your spiritual life. Let me say that again. If nobody mentions your spiritual life, if there's nobody who's arguing with you about anything, if everything's fine and nobody mentions it, nothing's going on in your spiritual life. Because when you begin to have breakthroughs, all of a sudden things begin to change and people begin to go, uh-uh, this isn't right, this isn't normal, this, isn't, this is weird, right? But the miracle happened on Sabbath. You can see where this is going, can't you, Seventh-day Adventists? So the Jewish leaders objected policy over people, man. The Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. He was carrying his mat. That's what they were mad at. It wasn't, there's a miracle. You're walking. It's because people don't want breakthroughs. People don't want to get well. People want the circumstances to change, but they don't want to change themselves. Doorkeepers gatekeepers to the work of God in this world, diverting and distracting us from what God is really trying to do. Don't focus on the miracle, focus on the policy. But when something is in line with what is taught in scripture, when Jesus asks us to do something, that's where we go. When Jesus is present, by the way, Jesus is the word, Jesus is scripture, but they missed it. And so this man does something brilliant. He answers in the only way you can answer when you've had a breakthrough that's been given to you by God. The man replied like this, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. 
because he recognized that this man had power over policy. This man had power over his circumstances. This man had power over his physical ailments. This man had the power to give him a breakthrough. Stand up and walk. Do you want to get well? We talk about breakthrough because when you begin to experience the breakthrough of God in your life, you begin to change. You begin to see the world differently. You begin to realize that the choices that you have are not necessarily the same choices that God has given you. The choices that that man had was to lay down here or roll himself into a pool to hopefully get healed. And Jesus said, do you want to get well? That's the choice Jesus gave him. Jesus said, do you want to have a breakthrough? Do you want to change everything? The way that you think, the way that you move, the way that you walk, the way that you see the world, because that's the breakthrough I'm ready to give you. Jesus didn't ask the man if he wanted to walk. Jesus asked the man if he wanted to get well. Why are we waiting for the fact of a little when in faith, God wants to give us everything. Why do we settle for what we can manage for ourselves when God has a tsunami of blessing ready for us in our lives? Why do we settle for what we think we deserve when God already has promised us more than we ever could earn? What choice is God giving you today? That's the question I'm asking. What choice is God giving you today? Is he giving you a choice to break through in your life, to give you a breakthrough in your spirituality, a breakthrough in your relationships, a breakthrough in your family, a breakthrough in your career, a breakthrough even in your finances or your physical um, work that you do? What is God giving you a choice for today? Because he is not absent. He's at the pool with you. And he's asking you whether or not you want to get well. And he's asking this because God is a God who has never lost a battle. He is a God of the breakthrough because he is a God who has never failed us. He is a God of the breakthrough because he is a God that continually grows us and is bigger than the universe. What are you afraid of? Because he's asking you today, what choice do you want? Do you want to get well or do you just want to walk? Do you want to really live in my grace or do you just hope for a little blessing that you might get from some little thing over here? Nah, God wants to give you more than that. And because he's never lost the battle, because God has never forsaken us, we can take that choice in faith, not in fact, in faith, and let the facts of our lives change because that's what God wants to do. That's the kind of breakthrough that God wants to give you today, amen? Come on.